Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, Michigan State loses to Baylor 58-75 to in the Atlantis Championship game. Um, Rod, really well-fought first half. And then it just really kind of got away from them coming in out of the halftime um, rebounding. We're just getting out hustled uh, and really just couldn't quite recover from it. What well, was it? I, where, where the hell was Malik Hall is my question. Well, I, I think uh, I think a couple of things. First, the, the overall thing. Uh, two points. One, Baylor – I'm, I may have undersold Baylor. I made this post already on the Spartan Magboard, but I know what I said in yesterday's preview. I I should have realized it's hard to evaluate a team, guard play in particular, when you're playing a team that plays the way that VCU does because those just turn into sloppy garbage fests a lot. Yeah. When there's all that pressing, and just I didn't really love some of the decision making I saw from Baylor's guards, both in terms of passing and some of the shot selection that they that we saw yesterday. Today, I, I thought those guys were great. Michigan State got beat by a team that's clearly better than they are today. I mean, yeah. I think that's a. I don't think anybody would argue with that statement. That's. I don't think. Look, they're not the favorite to win the national title. I, right now, Gonzaga and Purdue, to me, are by far the two best teams I've seen. Uh, but Baylor, I haven't seen everybody, but I've seen most of the top teams. And you want to put Baylor in a conversation with UCLA, Villanova? Absolutely. Based on what I saw from them today, I thought they were very impressive. They're, they're hard to guard because everybody can seemingly attack you off the dribble, and everybody can shoot, with, with the exception of the fives, but then those guys do their thing. Yeah. You know, they're just they're, And when they're running their offense the way they did today, I thought their guards made great decisions. That needs to continue, of course, but if they play the way they did today, they're going to be a very difficult team for anybody to beat. Um, that said, I think the difference between Baylor and Michigan State is much closer to what we saw in the first half than what we saw in the second. Mm -hmm. I think Michigan State ran out of gas. They played that way, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's not an excuse. You know, I just watched Tom Izzo's postgame, and he said it. Um, It was obvious. If you have eyes, that's what you saw. Baylor was quicker to every loose ball. They, They took what was a slight edge on the glass for Michigan State in the first half and completely turned it around in the second. They were more active. They stayed active defensively, whereas Michigan State didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of that was because Marcus Bainham Izzo mentioned specifically Marcus was completely out of gas in the second half. And I think we've seen enough this year to know that if you take Marcus Bainham out of the lineup for long stretches, um, yeah, it changes. It, it changes everything, right? 
for as well as Julius Marble has played, and he did some good things at times today too, but man, it's just a different story. Mm-hmm. And and I think you saw all of that reflected in in that second half performance. So they just didn't get much out of him. So not an excuse. Again, Baylor almost certainly wins that game no matter what. They're a better team than Michigan State right now. That's a team with a lot of experience, and they look like it. But I do think it got exacerbated because MSU just didn't have anything left in the tank. Now, you know, people harped on, if you want an explanation, I'll attempt with a theory. Um, people harped on the fact that Baylor had fewer hours of rest. You know, their game ended at, what, 7 o'clock yesterday. Yeah. So they had, like, five less hours of rest to come into this one, and that's true. But I think an underrated aspect of things is that Michigan State played in two absolute wars, physically and mentally. You know, the mental stuff shouldn't be undersold either. Um, Very tight games with both Loyola and UConn, very physical games, particularly the UConn game, I think, because it was a little more up and down as well. They really went through a grinder to get those two wins. Baylor had a very easy first game against Arizona State. Arizona State, not that they're a a terrible team talent-wise. They've got some guys that can play, but they play a style that's just kind of loose, you know? Yeah. They don't really take much out of you. The VCU game was kind of up and down, and that might have taken something out of Baylor, but... It was also a game where, for the most part, Baylor had a comfortable lead. They weren't under much game pressure, mm-hmm. you know. So I think, to at least for me, that explains some of what we saw. I'd, I'd also say one other thing about this, and then we can move on to Malik. Um, I think that for anybody listening, if you put a lot on especially the second half of a third game in three days, and tell me something about team, you're out of your mind. I mean, to me, Michigan State got, and I said this yesterday, they accomplished what I really wanted to see them accomplish by winning yesterday. Of course you want to win a championship if you're able to play for it, right? That's mm. all fair. But this was, I'm not going to say this was gravy, but this was one that, you know, I don't think most Michigan State people expected them to win. It was going to be tough. Um, and and then you saw how it unfolded, and it was pretty clear to me they just didn't have the same amount of gas left in the tank that Baylor did. Yeah, and that and that had as much to do with the margin, not not the who wins who loses, but the margin. I think that first half. This is the other thing. At least offensively, the first half is the best half of basketball Michigan State's played this year. Yeah, because they were. Great. They were really good, and make no mistake, Baylor can check. So you take the good and the bad here. You know, I, that's, what again, why I say, what's the difference? Well, they look, Michigan State's legs looked, all of a sudden those three-pointers that they were hitting in the first half and really had hit all tournament weren't falling. Well, yeah. that's oftentimes a result of tired legs. I think some of the turnovers were, and you shouldn't accept it, but it's just a fact of life. They're energy-related. They just didn't have enough in the tank to be able to focus and play strongly enough. You know, um, Jimmy Dykes kept harping on the fact that this is not a game, either way, that you can play soft. 
mm-hmm. and succeed. And he's right about that. They, Michigan State wasn't strong enough with the ball. You know, they weren't making strong enough passes. Recipients weren't weren't coming to the ball hard enough. You know, all those things. Again, I have to emphasize, not an excuse, but an explanation of what we saw. Specific to Malik. I saw yeah, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm grasping at straws, but I, I swear I saw him kind of holding his lower back at one point. No, he did. And maybe, did. was that, did Izzo say anything about that or... No, it, that that came fairly early in the game, and they had Malik. I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure some of our listeners did. You could see just beyond the bench, they had a bike set up, and he was on the bike for times when he was out of the game, at least in the first half. I don't know about the second. Okay. He was riding the bike to keep it. I don't think it's anything big. I think in the second half, um, he slipped, which I'll go back again to what I've been saying this whole tournament. They, yeah. There's a problem with that court, and and I really wish the people that run these events that are in not in places that normally post basketball where you're kind of flying in a court mm-hmm. from somewhere, they really got it. Just thankfully, no, it doesn't look like anybody got hurt. You know, I think Malik's fine. I think the reason his minutes were more limited in the second half is that he just wasn't he wasn't playing very well. He hit the one three, but. You know, other than that, he didn't really make a big impact. Um, so uh, I think it was when he slipped, I think holding him out was precautionary, too, at that mm-hmm. point. Like, okay. But we've had he, two of these today. Let's call it a day. And we weren't, and MSU wasn't close at that point either. So, Yeah, I mean, he came in uh, out of the second half and played the first two minutes, and then they sat him. And he didn't wind up coming back until, like, the 12-minute mark. He came in for like 30, 40 seconds. He had a turnover and then back out and never saw him again. Yeah, I, it just I don't felt know. Like a game that that they kind of needed him in. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe but. I didn't think he. Pl- I didn't think he was particularly great in this one when he was on the court. Mm-hmm. So I understand why you might say that. And and look, Joey had his struggles too. So let's let's not ignore that. But. Yeah. Um, I hear what you're saying. Would he, in theory, be a better matchup against uh, Sochan and um, and uh, Meyer? Yeah, than, than Joey was certainly on the defensive end. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I don't know. Izzo may have been trying to get to help Joey find a rhythm, you know, which didn't really happen. I mean, he made some plays, but not enough. Um, I don't know what – he didn't really address that in the post game, from what I heard. Uh, he also – I didn't hear him say anything about any concerns with Malik, so I'm not worried about that. Um, but, yeah, you know, um, I, I just think it's those two things first and foremost. You're playing an opponent that's a little more experienced than you are, especially in the backcourt, um, and a little better than you are right now. And – they didn't get tired, and you did. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the name of that, too. No, I mean, it wasn't all bad. We saw the best game of Jaden Aiken's career so for far. For sure. 12 points, three rebounds, six for nine from the floor. Uh, he had a yeah. steal, and yeah. man, he was active. Well, and that's the thing. They needed more guys with his energy level in that second half. Yeah. Because that's where he really did his damage, too. Was He was kind of the only guy who really yeah. had it going in the second half. No, it was great, great from him. And, you know, Izzo said in the postgame, 
once again, his best defenders were Jaden and Max Christie. Um, so that's encouraging. Uh, look, it's a matter of when, not if, with Jaden Akins. Mm. You know, he's you. You've seen it in flashes up until now. This was the most complete game he's played, but um, he just has horsepower athletically that <laughs> not many guys can match. And you really saw him being aggressive today, which was needed. Mm-hmm. And that's what he needs to do all the time. You know, the other stuff, kind of finding consistency with the jumper, get it becoming maybe more of a guy you can put the ball in his hands, those things will come with time. But right now, he can impact games just by virtue of what you saw today. Yeah, Go out there, attack. Just yeah. attack and let let your athleticism show. Let that... Let that uh, uh, impact games because that's the stuff that can't be taught. It just kind of is. So that's an encouraging thing to come out of today, for sure. Yeah, Uh, I like Gabe Brown's game, especially in the first half. Uh, Getting to the rim, getting pull-ups, getting uh, hitting a a three. It kind of tailed off in the second half, and then there was that monster drive where he fell kind of like on his hip or something like that. Yeah. Izzo a little felt out of that, Izzo felt that uh, his second half was in part a result of the guards not playing as well as they needed to, not getting him good shot opportunities. Mm. Um, I look, I think it's crystal clear that Gabe has taken a jump. You know, um, you're seeing a guy who, and, and it's not as consistent overall as it needs to be. You know, there have been games where he hasn't shown up on the glass. I thought he was much better in this tournament in that area, particularly yesterday, but also to some extent today. Yeah, five um, he's he's there. He's the guy you count on as a shooter. He's their best shooter. Um, I don't know if that's true statistically right now, but he's he's their best shooter. And he's also, as you said, he's doing some different things. I think the fact that he, like Jaden Akins, is mostly in attack mode, that's important. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to need that. So I I think he's he's def- he had himself a good tournament as well and I think he's definitely proving to have done what you hoped he would do, which is he's a senior. It's time to kind of put the inconsistency that you've been plagued with in your career aside and come out on a game in game out basis deliver. Mm-hmm. And so far so good. Yeah. Even his, I think we mentioned this in a podcast earlier this season. The the other encouraging thing is, you know, even a day where you, you look and say, well, Gabe was kind of not locked in. He wasn't super impactful. In the past, that would mean a, a donut. Yeah. T- yeah. This year, it means he scored 10. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, what did you think of the point guards? Tyson Walker, uh, Hogard. Walker got the majority of them at 27 to 12. Um, yeah, I, I think that was about right. I mean, Tyson did not have a good game. Don't get me wrong. But I thought AJ was really, you know, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to this. I've said it before. What AJ does well, um, he did some things a little bit in transition, which were good. And that's, we mm-hmm. know he can do that. But the stuff that 
gets him by in the half court against some opponents, it's tough to get by with against teams like this. You know, where he's just yeah. using his size to kind of bowl to the rim and finish. I, you're not going to get that done very easily here. And so I, neither of them played well enough. That's stating the obvious. But mm-hmm. I know I know where I'm at. You know, Tyson, again, hit a three, I believe, Yeah, in this game. Uh, how, how many assists two, did he have? Two assists, but three turnovers. Yeah, it's, and the turnovers are a couple really bad ones against pressure. I thought, you know, yeah. I thought something. <laughs> you know, it used to be that Scott Drew got bagged on a lot as a coach. There wasn't a lot of respect out there for him, even when he got Baylor elevated to a point that they were, like, let's say, eight years ago, ten years ago, where they were starting to come on. I think most people felt like it was it was largely, well, he's recruited athletes, and you know, they they had several years where they had very long athletic teams, longer even than this team is. And I don't think there was always a lot of respect for him as a coach, but Michigan State's matched up with him in this tournament two times in the last five years because they played him in uh, 2016. Oh, yeah, the Miles Bridges freshman year. Freshman year, right. If you remember that game, in the first half, if I remember correctly, uh, at that point he was coaching using a lot of zone. And Michigan State really tore it up in the first half of that game. Had a lead, if I remember correctly, at halftime. Yeah, he and got blown out in the second half. He Right, because he switched to a man and really gave Michigan State trouble. It completely turned the game around. Today, I thought he made really good use of that semi-trapping full-court pressure. And they, they did generate some turnovers out of it, but I didn't even feel that was the point. That was just Michigan mm-hmm. State. You know, Tyson Walker is what brought this to mind because he was part of the problem. I thought Michigan State just bumbled their way into some turnovers against that. Baylor wasn't coming super hard on the trap, but what they were doing is getting Michigan State out of rhythm. They're forcing MSU to use a lot of time to even get into their offense, Yeah, and it just kind of sapped MSU's ability to establish – a good rhythm, a good pace of play, you know? And I thought that was – and he did more of that in the second half than the first, a lot more. And he picked and chose it well. You know, it came on, it, he picked and chose those moments, Absolutely. those press moments well. Absolutely. It was like right after, like, demoralizing plays, like where uh, they come down, they get an offensive rebound and put it back, and it's just like, man, and then, bam, they attack. Right. And then he got yep. that one three on that. And it's like, oh, yep. God, now it's up to 15. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, no, I think I think he's proven. Look, I mean, he won a national championship last year. You don't win a title without knowing something. Um, but I, I I like him as a coach. I mean, I, and I also think this. I think that looking at this team, yes, they return a lot of guys. But they've got some guys, particularly in the backcourt, in different roles than they were in last year. They've had to have some guys step forward and be much more than they were in the past. And when you're able to do it as successfully as it appears they are, what that tells me is that his culture is really well established. Like those, yeah. 
those guys grow when they spend time in the program and and they know what's expected of them and they and they play that way so that i mean michigan state obviously has a culture that's one of the great things tom Izzo's done and i think maybe the key to his long-term success but i'll give credit where it's due i think scott drew has his own version of that going mm-hmm. at baylor and and it was impressive um you know uh, Christy, Howard, both, again, tough nights from the field. One for four for three for Christy, Hauser, 0 for two. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Joey, we, we know what the issues are there. They just they got to find a way to unlock him and get a little more out of him. Max is the one that he had a rough three days, whereas most of the team, I think, can feel pretty damn good about what they did in this tournament overall. You know, yeah. MSU played two and a half really good games, you know? And then when the last half isn't very good, there may be reasons for that. So you can you can walk away from it feeling okay about your overall play. Mm-hmm. Max is the one guy. Now, Izzo liked him defensively in this tournament. So we've got to, you know, we can't say it was all a loss, but offensively, he's, he's just got to fight through this because we know he's so much better than what he's shown. Um, I was hoping that after a couple blog games that the Butler game, where he was really good on the road, would be the moment. It was like, okay, now he's found himself as who he is. And instead, he wasn't particularly great against Eastern, and then he struggled in these three games offensively, let's be honest. So that would be the next step for this team. I think they've we, we've learned some things, okay? Marcus Bainham being the biggest that, you know, this guy is legit. Even today, yeah, he ran out of gas in the second half, but, you know, while he still had something in the tank in the first, he was okay. I think he ended up, what, seven points? Seven points, a rebound and a block. Yeah, the rebounding was not where it's been normally, and, again, I attribute some of that to energy, some of that to Baylor. Um, but we know who Marcus Bingham is now. You know, that's a guy you're, you're going to be able to rely on, and he's going to deliver. So you feel good about that. Gabe Brown we talked about, you know. Yeah. I think for for all the issues at point guard, and they're still there, there's also no question that the point guard play overall has been a step up from last season. Yeah. You know, I don't and think there's much gotten, disputing that. It's gotten better over this tournament. Maybe not but, so much Tyson, in Baylor. But. I think Tyson Walker has. And, you know, and Hogard, even though he struggled at times, yesterday, you know, as you said, they don't win it without him. So they're better there. They need to continue to get better still, but they're better there. Then you have, you know, Julius Marble has shown some things. I think you yeah. can feel okay about him um, as a ba- you know, his role as a backup, right? Um, you know, uh, Malik Hall, not a great last couple days, but he was dynamite against uh, Loyola, and I think overall he's shown improvement. So there, there are things that you feel like you've learned about. I think this is a good defensive team overall. Yeah. You've learned some things. Where is the improvement going to come from? Well, some of those guys we've already mentioned, the point guards in particular, can get better. But I think the biggest area for it is Max Christie finds a consistency. And I think some of it is that he found out in this tournament. Izzo made mention of this fact, which I thought was important. He said, this was, these three days, this was Big Ten-like. 
Mm-hmm. He said, you know, Baylor cuts as hard as Purdue does. Connecticut and Baylor and Loyola are physical in a way Big Ten teams are. So I think for most of MSU's guys, you could say, well, for the most part, you know, positive on that front. Max is one guy you can't say that about, at least on offense. I think it, the physicality and length and speed of these teams maybe just had them off kilter. That's got to change. I think it will soon. And I think that's an area, a very obvious one, that MSU can unlock and they can say, okay, that's a, that's a way we elevate as a team. We've got Max Christie consistently as a scoring threat, consistently in double digits, mm-hmm. making teams account for him. You know, that's where it can – one of the big areas to me where the improvement can come from. Yeah. And I think you got to be fairly happy with Aikens and, and Brooks um, providing some depth on the wing after this tournament. Well, Certainly Aikens, Aikens. Aikens for sure. You know, Pierre had his moments in the first half yesterday that were big. Um, still got a ways to go, but I'll repeat what I said about him yesterday. I think the upcoming break – the schedule, you know, around holiday time where they've got all those days where they can just work on Michigan State, it's going to be big for Pierre Brooks. It would be a very nice thing to see him become a guy that I'm not asking for the world, but if he can do, if he can give them a turn each half, give them six to eight minutes, Mm -hmm. it would make a difference. It would make this team better because it it means you got to do less shuffling, you know? Yeah. Um, Malik doesn't have to play the wing sometimes. And I think, you know, yeah, I think who knows? Maybe Ma- Walker out there yeah. at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Less of the two-point guard lineup because I have to be honest, I don't love that. Um, so that's that's where it could help. But I, I still think we're a little way away from knowing if that's possible. Uh, his performance against UConn offers encouragement, but it's not the final word by a long shot. There still needs to be more improvement from him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any sort of final thoughts coming out of this one? Well, look, I think that, you know, I, I would like to think most Michigan State fans can find a way to uh, have some perspective. I, I would say this. We are used to November being a tough time, right? Mm-hmm. Many years, even years where Michigan State comes in with a lot of expectations, we see a team that struggles. And I think, to date, you could feel pretty good about this team relative to expectations. You know? Yeah. I, look, yeah. it was possible. I wouldn't say likely, but it was possible they could have gone 0-3 in this field. You know, Loyola was certainly a good enough team to potentially beat MSU. I mean, it went down to the last possession, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they lose that game, you know, then there would have been a second-round matchup with Auburn. And I think Michigan State's probably a hair better than Auburn, but that's a losable game. And then who knows where you are? I don't know who you'd be playing, Arizona, Arizona State, State, somebody. Yeah, you know. Even one and one and two would have been a very realistic outcome in this tournament. So to to have won two games, to have gotten to a final, and to have played all these opponents, 
those are all huge positives. And and again, mm-hmm. take take something from that first half when MSU had a you know semi full tank of gas, they hung in there with what I'm now convinced is a very good team. Yeah, Michigan State actually, I think, despite the fact they were down two at the half, I think for the majority of that half were a little better mm-hmm. than Baylor. In part fueled by the way they were shooting the three, but I, I, I do believe that. So that don't let the final today obscure any of that stuff. You know, right now this Michigan State team is at least on target with where you would have wanted them to be. I would argue they're probably a little better than I thought they'd be at this time of the year. Yeah, and, and again, I'd say that yeah. they're a little better with some realistic possibilities you can see clearly for ways that they can get better still from here. Max Christie finding another gear. Point guard play continuing to evolve and improve and consistency. You know, those are – we're not asking for huge leaps of faith. Mm -hmm. Those are things you kind of figure should happen, right? So I feel feel very good about these three days. Um. I think they, they learned a lot. They they learned certainly over the two previous days that they have what it takes to make big plays and win games instead of lose them when it's all in the balance. They mm-hmm. also learned today what happens when you're playing a really good opponent and you're not able to bring 100% every possession. You can get run off the floor. You know, that has value too as a lesson. Um. So I, I feel I feel pretty good about what we saw these last three days, and you know we got another test coming up. I think the next game is Louisville, right? Yeah, in the Big yeah. Ten ACC Challenge, and Louisville's off to a decent start. Um, it's at Breslin, so you look at that as a hey, if this team is what I think they are, they'll win that game. But Louisville's got enough talent; certainly, they're going to test you. So it's another opportunity to learn. And then before we know it, they're going to actually be getting back into conference play. So I think there's an opportunity. But the, the conference schedule early, these first two games are games, again, you'd like to think MSU can win. That's the one good thing because you get Minnesota and Penn State, I believe. Yep, that's right. And, yeah, man, you really do not – remember what happened last year. Yep, in those Northwestern. Northwestern. You get behind yep. in that eight – Get behind the eight ball in those first two games, and it's exactly tough. Exactly, that's the the thing with the schedule now with this twenty game schedule and playing these two games in December. You really want to get those two wins. You at least want to split, but you, particularly with the teams Michigan State is playing, you need to go two and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can I know, do I'm that, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a reason for this that I've just forgotten. But why do they do the two games? Early. Why, why not? Do it has to do with um, getting games in and uh, still being able to keep the conference tournament where they want it on schedule. So it, it has to do with that and the amount of time you know wanting to make sure that teams are able to get um, time off during Big Ten play where you'll go, you know, you'll have a week where you only play one game. You know, that usually happens a couple times per mm-hmm. per uh, year. So it's all of that. It's wanting to keep that balance. I'm, 
Look, I've I am not a fan of this. Um I've never liked it. I, I used to when they first instituted this a few years ago I was calling it uh the Jim Delaney Memorial Weekend. Um <laughs> because I blamed it on him in part the first time they did it, it was to accommodate for them playing the conference tournament earlier, if you remember that year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I really hated that. Um but uh, they've kept this as their for the reasons I just suggested. Um, maybe others too, but those are big reasons. So um, I get it. I'm not a fan of it, but I will say when you can go in, if you can win those first two games, you feel okay. You know, yeah. you start you start to feel pretty good about where you're at as a team. The thing for Michigan State is. I gotta, as we're talking about, I'm gonna pull up the schedule. They actually have two games after that. It's like they got Toledo and Toledo and Oakland, right? Oh yeah, Oakland. Yeah. So if if my math is right, only five games left between now and the end of the year. Is that correct? I think so. We've got the two Big Ten games. We've got Louisville. Oakland and Toledo. That's it, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, because then so, not till the 29th. Yeah, and we had talked about it earlier that this, you know, in regard to Pierre Brooks, um, and uh, you know, the, those the uh, the opportunity to maybe take that holiday time leap because of all the time he's going to have to work on his game, and Michigan State's going to have work on their game as a team. Okay, I'm pulling it up. So we have so yeah, we have Louisville, then Toledo, then they get into Big Ten play with Minnesota and Penn State. I'm sorry, there's one other. They play Oakland, then an eight day layoff, and then they play High Point. High Point, oh yeah. So over the next say month and change, month and like three, four days, they've only got six games. That means you're going to have a lot of time to work on Michigan State. And you've already done some good things. You've already mm-hmm. banked you banked a road win against a Big East opponent. You got two wins over teams that I think probably, I, I feel pretty good about UConn. Loyola's in a little more difficult position because of the league they play in, but I think there's a reasonable chance you beat two NCAA tournament teams in this field, and your losses, while you don't feel good about either one of them, you're talking about teams that currently are both in the top six in Kansas and Baylor. So it's not like you went and got beat by a nobody. Yeah. you get Those are games that aren't supposed – they're both neutral court, of course, but they're games that are not supposed to hurt you very much. You know, So they've already banked some good stuff. they got to continue, but to me – this is a six-game, you know, they're 5-2 and two right now. If they can sweep this and be 11-2 and two overall, 2-0 and oh in the league for the new year, I think you have to feel very good. Yeah. <laughs> that's... Very, very good. And, and that should be the target, honestly. You know, I mean, Oakland has played very well this year so far. They're dangerous. You know, this, this could be one of those years where Oakland is able to really test MSU. Toledo's been a solid Mac program for a while. You know, I'm not saying those are gimmies, but 
there's still games MSU ought to win. To me, the real the real key one is this this next game against Louisville because that's the best team you're going to play over this stretch. But it's at home, so you feel like you ought to get it. Yeah, and if they'll they be can, favored in all of them. Absolutely, and if you Even can, if you can, then you know again, eleven and two, two and zero in the league would would be a pretty good place to be. So, and that's a realistic goal for them to set. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there's so much practice time available over this stretch that you hope what you're going to see is MSU making some strides both collectively and with regard to some individuals um, and and go up another level still. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. what I'm looking for. All right, well, we'll uh, leave it there and um, come back with the preview for Louisville here in a few days. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.